that you're here. You just made my day. Well, good morning, Faithway Church. Good morning, Church Online. And good morning, Faith Exchange, if you're tuned in with us. Welcome, welcome to the live stream. And we're so excited to have everyone here this morning. We're very excited that you guys chose to worship with us. It's just such a filling experience just to worship corporately, isn't it? Amen, amen. Amen. So we have a couple of announcements, and as we all know that our weekend is sadly coming to an ending, I know that we were all filled. We were so filled, and just the presence of God has just been so tangible. And how many of you, raise your hands if you received a word, something that you can apply to your life today, if you already applied. Amen. Hallelujah. That's just amazing. Uh, this morning, we have a couple of announcements um, youth, you guys will be getting to stay in here. You will get the privilege of hearing our special service with Pastor Dan. So youth, you guys can stick around in service. Um, and then we have coming up in March, and we're already um, announcing for March because it comes around very quick. And we know this, church, that sometimes we say March, and then next weekend it's already March. So in March, our ladies' ministry will, having, will be having the bingo um, this bingo, all the proceeds, everything that we, we attain on this fellowship, it's going to our Cuba ministry. And as you guys know, that our, we have a special group of women here who go and minister and take the word to Cuba. And they have the date set for July to go to Cuba again. And we are supportive of them, aren't we? Yes, we are supporting them. We're planting seeds, and this is one of their fundraisers that we're doing so that we can get them to Cuba. We can get them with pizzas. We can get them with crafts, art supplies, Bibles, everything that they take with them to minister. This is what we're doing to get them there. So on March, we will be having a bingo, and there will be a sign-up sheet for items that um, you might want to donate. Or if you don't want to donate and you want to say, I want to plant a seed financially, that is more than welcome. It goes into a Cuba account. It is not touched, and it gets saved to go straight to Cuba. So you guys, plant a seed if you feel that little stirring, that little inkling. Take that step forward. Get out of your comfort level and just walk in confidence and just be obedient. Because Pastor Ann said something yesterday, and she said, delayed obedience is disobedience. And that is great. I think that was you. Yes, yeah, so that was great, and that stuck. So don't delay your obedience. You know, God is calling you to do something. Step up and do that. Get out of your comfort zone. Um, and then, of course, in May, we will be having our second ladies' brunch. This is going to be on a Saturday at 10 a.m. with uh, Dawsey Meek. And this is exclusively, exclusively just for ladies 18 and up. So set your calendars. You don't want to miss this date. If you were here on the last conference, it was very meaningful. And we were very filled also with the presence of the Holy Spirit and edified with each other. Um, and I don't think I forgot anything, but um, we are doing testimonies now before we pass this over, and today is my turn, and I'm very excited to, show, to share a testimony that I have, and just like how Yanis uh, was a little troubled, and she said, well, which one do I pick? Because God moves so much in our lives, even in the small details, you know, there's no testimony that's too big or too small to show God's goodness, and... Um, well, I have a, a lot of them, but I focus down on just one. And a lot of us know 
um, this testimony that I'm about to give is something, an attack that happened last year. And I believe with my entire being that it was a spiritual attack that my family faced. And um, there's a whole bunch of points that I want to share. And I'm trying to condense it all within five minutes. But I don't want to leave out any details because there's so much that you can grab from this. But um, last year in May, my mother, my beautiful mother, wonderful grandmother says, hey, bring me the kids. Bring me the four kids. You and Lauro go out and have a date weekend. You guys go enjoy yourselves. We'll take care of the kids. And we'll, we jumped on it right away. It was a very busy season. And we said, yes, we, we can definitely use this. It would be a blessing. So we drove to Corpus, drove, dropped off all four of our kids. And beautiful blessings. And that's another testimony in themselves. Uh, whenever, God said, whenever God said, yes, you will have kids. When doctors and medical science said, no, you will never conceive. We've got four kids. So that's a testimony for another time. But we, we headed out to South Padre Island because if you're given a choice between Corpus and South Padre Island Beach, I mean, South Padre Island is a better beach, of course. So we went to South Padre, and along the way, um, I was cramping, and it was nothing major. I have a high threshold for pain, and I was cramping, and I just thought, okay, maybe it's menstrual. And we kept stopping at the store, and nothing, nothing. And we get to the valley, and it's nighttime. We go out to eat, and we get to our room. And I look at the beach from the window. I'm like, tomorrow, beach, tomorrow, we'll see you. I'll get my, my feet in the sand. And we went to sleep. But at 5 in the morning, I woke up to excruciating, excruciating pain here on my side, on my kidney. And I had no idea what it was because I've got a clean health bill, clean. I've never had high blood pressure, diabetes, blood sugar, nothing. You know, I might be a little heavier now because God has blessed me with health. But um, after that... My husband, I love him so much because he takes such good care of me, like so good care of me. And he got me to the nearest hospital within 20 minutes from the island. And we had no idea what was going on. Well, it ends up that the doctors come back in and they say, okay, here's a report. Both of your kidneys are full of kidney stones. And one of them is almost the size of six millimeters and it's lodged in your ureter. And that's what, where the pain is coming from. It's stuck. It's kinked. It's kinking your ureter. So they take me and they say, well, we're going to take you to a specialist. They transport me to another hospital. And um, the whole time I'm telling my husband, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. Because I have trust in the Lord. He has given me a firm foundation to place my feet upon, and I trust in him. And there is no room for me to have any opinions like, am I going to be okay? There's no room for me to have any fear in my heart. And I had my feet planted on a firm foundation. I kept telling him, it's okay. You know, and he loves me so much, and he's worried, and he's praying. I'm telling him, it's okay. Just don't worry. So they transport me. They take me into surgery, and this is our JSMI graduation week, and that's whenever we had our JSMI certi uh, certificate graduation, and I missed it because I was getting surgery, and they say, okay, well, you're all better. We got it out. We had to do little minor repairments on your ureter, but you're great. And, you know, God, just how Ann said last night, Pastor Ann said, God uses doctors, nurses, surgeons to bless you, to work. He works through them also, and he can bring healing through them. And I left there with peace, peace, complete peace. I know I'm okay, and they, they keep trying to plant little things. Well, both of your kidneys are full of stones, and they're so big, it's going to happen again. And I said, no, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. So I kept on, prayed for people, kept on with guidance, kept sharing the word, living my life, not an ounce of fear, not an ounce of worry. And I know that God has me. He has my life in his hands, and he has me. Everything's going to be okay. 
Well, two months later, we decide, okay, let's go back to the beach. So let's take the kids. So we took the kids this time. We get there. It's raining. So we say, okay, let's stop at the store and let's just do a movie night in the hotel. We'll get a board game and snacks and stuff. So when we get down to the store, I start shivering and I have pain again. And I'm cold and I'm cold and I can't stop shivering. And I tell my husband, I'm not going to ruin the weekend. I'm going to take one for the team. Just drop me off at the hospital. I'll get antibiotics. It's probably just an infection, and I'll be okay. And we'll just take him to the beach tomorrow when it stops raining. And um, he drops me off, and I know in my knower that it is a spiritual attack because as soon as I'm getting off of the vehicle, I step onto the sidestep, and it's raining, and I slip, and I fall, and I hit my head on the, the sidestep. And I said, no, I'm going to stomp all over you, enemy. I'm getting right back up. So I got right back up, went inside. They did test. They gave me a COVID test, and then they come back in, and they said, oh, we're releasing you because you have COVID. There's nothing else. You have COVID. Mind you, I've had COVID before, and I know it comes in different forms, and this was not COVID. I knew in my spirit this was not COVID. I knew that it was something wrong here because the pain was back. And um, they said, we're letting you go. And I said, well, what about my pain? What about antibiotics? Oh, it's just nerve pain probably from whenever you fell. And I said, so we go home, and we go to the hotel, and I tell my husband, well, just take them to the beach. It's okay. And then after the beach, when we go home, I'll go to the doctor. I'll go to the hospital when we go home. You know, and he's, he's, God has made him everything that I'm not, and he made him perfectly for me because he fills in, and he's my wisdom, and he tells me, no, we're going home right now. When we get home, you're going to go to the hospital. So he packed up, and we went home. Um, we got in. It was late, and I felt better. I had no fever, no shivering, any, anything anymore, and um, and we go to sleep. Well, I wake up at four in the morning, four, like four in the morning, and I go to the bathroom, and then I feel something different. I feel like I'm going to blank out. Something's happening. So I start yelling and calling for him, and I feel like I'm yelling. I don't know if I'm yelling. I, I, it was just an ugly experience, a weird experience. I didn't feel me inside of me. So I get up, and I'm walking. And I'm trying to make my way to go and find him. And it was like if I was in a windstorm and everything was pushing me back and I was trying to give everything I could. Next thing I knew, I woke up and I opened my eyes and he's hovering over me and he's praying and he's pleading. And I, well, me, that's how I am. I try getting up. I'm okay. Brush it off. And he's like, no, you lay down. They said for you to stay down. The ambulance are coming. They're coming over. So my heartbeat had dropped to 40 and it was dropping and um usually whenever your heart rate is dropping below 50 i think it's below 50 is so whenever you're in the process of dying and mind you i've never had anything wrong with me so i'm there and i'm like okay this is weird but i feel okay and the emts are assessing me and they said no you're going in so they take me and i have multiple episodes of coming out coming back in going out and coming back in and in the midst of all that, I would start praying because I have that foundation. I'll pray, God, I am your child. I'm highly favored daughter. I know that you will protect me. I am healed because I'm not having to wait for the healing. You told me I already have the healing. I am healed. This will not take me. And I'm in the ambulance, and as they're closing the door, I tell my husband, I'm fine, babe. I'm fine, babe. Don't worry. Just grab my crochet bag and just stick some pajamas and socks. Make sure you put socks and just take it to me. And he's like, okay. And I said, but I'm fine. I call my mom. I'm like, Mom, and she's like, how are you? Is everything okay? I'm already on the road. I'm like, don't, it's okay. Don't, don't uh, speed or anything. I'm okay. I'm in good hands. So we get to the hospital, 
and I keep having these episodes, and I can start feeling whenever I'm going, and I start telling the EMTs, and then whenever we get into the, the emergency room, my room is full. Doctors, surgeons, there's nurses, there's, it's full. And I can feel when I'm leaving, I'll tell them, okay, I'm going, it's happening, I'm going. And then I will come back, and I'll be like, okay, I'm back. I'm back and I'm back. Praise God. And I would just start praying scriptures over my life, praying. doesn't matter who's in the room, who's hearing me. I'm speaking word. I'm speaking truth over my life, over this battle. And I'm saying I have the victory, God, because you are in me and you have already given me that victory through Christ. And um, I managed to get, and this is one point that I wanted to share. It is very important. And if this is your first time attending a church or this church or if you're watching online and you don't have a church, this is the importance of having a church. I was able to grab my phone and I started messaging this group of prayer warriors, ladies that I call my family, church members that I call my family. And I don't know exactly what I did, but I texted them and I said, I'm headed into ICU, pray with me in agreement for my healing. I don't know what's happening. So I sent that. As soon as I sent that, an attack came and it felt like it was like a heart attack. My heart and my spine, it felt like it was in vice grips, and they were just squeezing it, and I couldn't take the pain. And all I could yell was, God, help me. God, just help me. And right then and there, it stopped, but then fear came into my heart. I mean, we're human. We're human, and fear entered into my heart, and I did get scared. I did, for the first time throughout all of this, I did get scared, and I did have fear go into my heart. But God understands and he knows and he's he will always bless you with people to bring you back to your foundation so right whenever that fear entered into my heart I hear a voice within all the the staff that's in the 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 room and it's a familiar voice and I turn and I look and it's like okay God I know you sent her for me I will not fear I know you sent her for me she is my friend and she is my classmate and she's a a nurse, a nurse who knows her job, and she comes up to me and she says, tell me everything. And she grabs my hand, and she's holding my hand. She's like, tell me everything. She takes off her masks, and this is whenever COVID is new, and I told her, don't, because they said I have COVID. She's like, no. She's like, we tested you. You do not have COVID. You do not have COVID. She's like, you're fine. She's like, but tell me everything. We're going to take care of you. So I'm telling her everything, and then that heart Thing happened again like a heart attack it happened again next thing I know I'm in the ICU I wake up in the ICU and I'm shivering uncontrollably my fever is at 106 um, and it's not just shivering it's like jolts in your body where I felt like if I was getting um, my muscles were coming out of my stomach and I was what are those called uh, I don't know like if it were coming out spasms and I couldn't control it this went on for two days, fevers that they couldn't control. They kept spiking. They put me on this ice blanket is what I would call it, but it was like a blanket with ice cold water, and it was, that's just cruel. It's cruelty, and I finally had it. I started gaining my consciousness. I stopped leaving my consciousness. I gained my consciousness enough for me to take control and speak and speak life and speak over myself, and uh, my nurse came in on the second night. And he tells me, if your fever goes up one more degree, we're bringing that ice blanket back. And I said, no. I said, just give me Tylenol and we'll get this, we'll get this down. And he says, you're not due for another two hours. And I said, okay, look, I'm not going through this anymore. I'm taking control of this tonight. Tonight, this is the end. I said, so you're going to help me get out of this bed. And you're going to help me get into that chair. I said, and I'm going to pray. 
I said, because I'm not going to have this taking over my body anymore. And he's like, oh, no, 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 you can't get out of the bed. I said, you can help me or you can turn around because I'm still going to get out of this bed and I'm still going to go to that chair and I'm going to pray. And he looks at me and he says, without hesitation, give me your hand. Gives me my hand, helps me out of the bed, helps me get into the chair. And I start praying. I say, Heavenly Father, God, Lord Jesus, I am so sorry that I have allowed fear to enter my heart, but I am established in your foundation. I am established in your word. And I know that I am healed. And this attack right now has to stop in the name of Jesus. And I'm hitting my legs and I'm saying, stop, stop in the name of Jesus because I'm just shivering uncontrollably and I can't take it. And I'm just, it feels, you can hear the chair rattling from how I'm shivering. My fever is at 105. And I'm just praying my pain is horrible here on my side. And I'm praying and my nurse is standing at the doorway and I'm just praying. And whenever you, you run out, you find yourself out of words, you just let the spirit intercede and just start speaking and praying in tongues. And I just prayed in tongues and prayed in tongues and prayed in tongues. And then before I knew it, I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I opened my eyes and I turned and it's my nurse. And he says, your two hours are up. Here's your medicine. And he says, but you have no fever. Glory to God. I had no pain, I had no fever, no shivers. And what's even better is that it didn't come back. It didn't. I was healed that night. I got into the bed, and before I got into the bed, he's helping me back into the bed. And I said, wait, 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 wait. And he looks at me, and I lay hands on the bed, and I said, bed, you're going to give me a great night's sleep in bed. You will never have this water blanket underneath wedged between you and I. I'm getting onto this bed, and I'm going to sleep well in the name of Jesus. And he's looking at me, and I get in the bed. And I slept so great that night. They came and pulled blood from me like if nothing. And I was like, okay, take, take it. Take all that you need. Well, the doctor comes in, and he's making his rounds in the morning, and he tells me, I don't know the medical terms that he gives me, but he basically says, well, we drew blood from you, but nothing's measuring up. Nothing adds up. And during all of this, I was diagnosed with sepsis. So there's three stages of sepsis. There's sepsis, there's a severe sepsis, and septic shock. I was in septic shock. My organs were failing. And the chances of walking out is 50% of walking out alive. And then out of that 50%, only 50% make it healthy because then you end up with sepsis again in the hospital. Within, I don't remember what it was. I think it's like three months or a couple of weeks. And um, he comes in and he tells me, There's, it just doesn't add up. He's like, so we're going to take more blood. Take more blood. So they took more blood. About maybe four or five hours later, he walks back in. He says, everything on this says that you do not belong here in ICU. Everything on this says that you're fine. There has never, ever been a sign of sepsis or an infection in your body. You are healthy. And I said, well, take me out. So I'm sitting there crocheting in the ICU. How many people do you see sitting up crocheting in the ICU? I'm making a blanket. And I said, okay, take me out. So they call the orders, take me out. They put me in a regular room. They come around less often, and he comes in the next day, and he says, I, I really can't put this together. He says, I can't put this together. He's like, everything on here says for me to release you. He says, but I feel like I need to ask you, how are you? How do you feel? And I said, I am healed. I am healed in the name of Jesus. I am healthy. I said, I'm perfect and complete the way my creator made me. And he says, okay, well, then you're released. We're letting you go. Glory to God. So he lets me go, and... You know, I had a struggle afterwards. I had my peace dur during all of it. And I go back to my uh, specialist, and he basically tells me, oh, well, you still have your kidneys full of kidney stones, and 
you're going to get septic again. So anytime that you have pain, anytime that you start spiking a fever, you better go back into the hospital because you're getting septic again. And I said, so you're telling me this is how I have to live with a cloud over my head? And he says, yes. And I said, no. I said, because that is not life in abundance. That is not how I'm going to live. I said, no. So we switched, and I got a couple of infections after that, maybe like four or five infections. I can't remember. You know, and during all of this, this trial, this spiritual battle, the war that was waged over my life, I didn't give in. And I kept on being me, who God created me to be. I'm still sharing the word. I'm still being the light of the earth. I'm still being the salt of the earth. And I'm still ministering. I'm still giving uh, spiritual guidance. And I'm operating in everything that God told me to do. And I'm getting reinfected and reinfected, and it never fazed me, never fazed me. Well, I finally changed doctors, and I said, that's it. So we changed doctors, and we got a third opinion, and he tells me, okay, so I've narrowed everything down. You were born with a defect. It's not kidney stones. It's your kidney. It calcifies everything. It's called nephrocalcinosis, and you had hydro, hydronephrosis. He was like, your kidney was failing. The next steps were going to be um, dialysis and then possibly a kidney transplant. And, I'm, and I said, no. And he's like, well, that's what I said, too. He says, we ran all the tests again. He was like, all of your functions are 100%. He was all, everything. Your kidney functions, 100%. He was like, so you're free to go. You're healthy. And I said, yes, I am in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So hallelujah, guys. I hope I didn't take more than five minutes. I probably did. <laughs> so I'm just going to pass this over to Pastor, and I hope you guys begin to experience life in a new way. Thank you, Kathy. Release the Kraken. So um, Children's Church, you are released, and why don't we just bless all our kids with a big hand clap. They're here. This is their foundations, guys. Don't take this lightly. These kids need so much. I'm so blessed that all my family's here today. All the grandbabies are here. They're all being released. Glory to God. How you doing, Dan? Good to see you this morning, sir. Good, Dan. Good to see you, brother. Glory to God. Nobody's in any hurry, right? There's no football games that matter to watch. <laughs> Just letting you know. So the reason I'm saying this, this is our celebration, and this is significant. And what we're doing and what Kathy did and what Yanis did yesterday is this is something the Lord, I, I really believe he spoke to my heart very, very clearly that, um, you know, every service has to have this. You know, I don't know if it's permanent or 2022 or six months. I just, I just go with what he says, right? But what you're, what's happening with this, and the reason I'm saying this because, you know, the more you hang around here, the more you come back, you're going you're gonna to see this influence. And it's not... That this is, you know, it's just the, the influence of God's word. But what I want you to see is the power, and it was mentioned last night, is in the blood, which was brought up, you know, very, very well expressed by Kathy. You know, the power, the name that we've learned on. But it's also the word of our testimony. And we sometimes we take like, oh, yeah, that's testimony night. You know, and that's not, that's not what it means. We, we, you know, we reduced it to something that it's not. It is, it is, it is and it's all through the Bible. They would stand, and it's prophetic. And it has to happen in a church. It's not just, well, let me tell you what the Lord did. No, there's a prophecy coming in that spirit because you're claiming that covenant blood, but then you're adding that word of the effect that the blood had on you. I mean, I, I, I could tell you in tongues what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> Maybe it'll be a sermon series the way things happen here, right? But my point of it is, don't you ever, ever quench or squelch that voice. And it's not a church testimony. It's a Walmart testimony. It's a parking lot testimony. Caden gets a kick because there's these guys, and, I, and, I, and I'm starting to, you know, we have like this little, 
they work for an outreach in, in Laredo, and it's a home, you know, rehab home, but they're always at the Walmart parking lot. Well, I know them all now. Like, hey, pastor, and they all come around, and we have church outside, and we pray, and, you know, um, because I just keep running into the same guys, and one's from Ireland, and, and I already know this guy, and he's, and they'll yell across the parking lot, you know, and they'll come, and, and it's weird, because we're over there, like, yeah, Jesus, and, you know, will you pray for me, pastor, because they're, like, all fired up, you know, and people are walking by, like, what are these crazy people doing, right, but, you know, that is what the testimony is, you know, in this time and age, really, what are you afraid of, acting weird? Everybody came out already. You might as well with your Jesus, right? I mean, so anyhow, we're excited. Just be patient this service because I know Pastor Dan has a huge word, but I want to tell you something happened this morning that I think is significant, and I think it has to do also with honoring them in, in, in a context. So at first, and I kind of debated because I said I don't want to take time any more than necessary, but I think, first of all, all our leadership needs to see this. So this is what happened. Let me show you what the backstory. So I get up. You know, actually, I slept in late today. I woke up at 530. Yeah, that's late for me. I'm usually up like four. I don't know. Just one of those weird things. But I do go to sleep early, so, you know, don't judge me, you know. But here's the point. I woke up, and, and our media department needed some, I needed to free up some USBs, and I have this whole jar of USBs, you know, because we want to record. And by the way, guys, it's ready to record back there on the mixer where you can hit the record when the message starts. So anyway, I won't bore you with those details. So I got this whole jar of USBs, and I'm like, like I need to free some of these up. So I pull one out, you know, of these random USBs. First one, I click in, boom. And it's got a bunch of media, you know, church stuff. And I click one. I said, what's that one? And I click the video because I couldn't really see the title because it was, you know, you know how it compresses. And it was our 25th anniversary video. Well, what happened, and I, that's why I'm, I'm, I might have to about, the Holy Spirit hit me with that thing, Dan. I began to weep, and I went through the whole video. And I'm not, a, I can't weep. I mean, I, you guys need to help me because I always start crying. <laughs> Hold the floodgates back, right? <laughs> but God really ministered to me something because we went through this thing. And I'm talking this COVID thing. And I think, I, you know, Dan last year prophesied and I grabbed onto it. It was over. It's over. Well, you, didn't you just get it two weeks ago? I'm here. It's over. I, you know, I was sick for a whole eight hours. It's over. You know, my point of it is, that attack on the church, boom, and, and what, what Kathy experienced, what this family experienced, and, and I, you know, I, I saw them navigate through this, and, you know, and we were there as much as we could and so forth, but that was on, you know, on different, it's on, on our family, on the church, it was just an onslaught, 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 and, you know, we had a leadership meeting last year, you know, at the end of the year, kind of saying, okay, this is what we're doing in 2022, and we're having another meeting next week, and, you know, reformatting some things. You know, because we really are in a new era, and I, and I know that's a word from the Lord, if, and, you know, if we're going to do church, if you guys think church like it used to be is going to work, it's not. This is a whole new era. It's not a new season. It's a new era that, that it's been a shift. There's been a shift, and now we've got to navigate, and, one, and i got a lot of stuff in my spirit, but I want to get to this point about the video. I'll, I'll share that later. Um, and I saw it, and there's a lot of things in my spirit. I just want to share a little bit. Number one, I didn't make the video. You know, my, my, my son did a phenomenal job. And, but, you know, but, you know, in honor, that was our 25th. That was a few years ago. It was great. But, um, you know, it was really about, you, it just took me down memory of, of a lot of stuff that I kind of forgot about. And here's what I want to do, because you, you guys know, and, you know, I speak a lot about this. I really, I'm a firm believer of this. And, there, and like I said, there's a, a series coming down the pipe at this point, probably around March. 
about understanding your present, understanding the God moves in the faith is now, right? And when you talk about your past, you got to be careful that the only thing you want to bring from your past, and I think that's the only thing the Bible tells us we should bring from our past, are the memorials that were built when God showed up. Nothing else from your past matters. You know, some of you kill your, you're torturing yourselves because all oh, the I should have, could have, would have. That's stupid because you don't live there. Anyway, that's another for another. But you do have to remember the memorials. Because if you don't, you know, that was a thing, right? Now? I mean, every time they turn around, they build another, every time God did something, they put, stack a bunch of stones so the generations, hey, Daddy, what's that pile of rocks? Well, oh, I'm glad you asked. Sit down. Let me tell you what God did right here. And then they go, oh, you know, next, you know, a few more years in the desert, and God would do something else, and, and then another pile of rocks, and something. Well, what did God do to here? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what God did here. Those, and that's what we're doing here. So this is a memorial, and the reason I, I, I you know, I wasn't going to show it, it was this, this morning, but it hit me so hard. I said, you know, I think there's an anointing on this for somebody. But I do want to add one thing in, in honoring the Strattons, because, you know, our job, you know, it, it, you know, we can be defined in a lot of ways. But our job is really one job, is we have hope message. We have the gospel. That's it. Preach gospel. You know, when you go to Cuba, and Dan, you know, I remember it's a little fun, funny Dan story, but, you know, he's coming from New York. You cut him some slack, you know. Now, we love you guys. But, you know, first time in Cuba, and in Cuba, here's the rule. Preach Jesus. Don't talk about the government. Don't talk about how good it's in America and how bad the communists are in Cuba. Don't go there. Just preach Jesus. Because in, in Cuba, you'll have people sitting in the service that are spies, government spies. And the headache usually won't be for the preacher, but it will leave a tremendous headache for the pastors. Like tremendous, like get arrested and, you know, get interrogated, that kind of stuff. So, you know, the funny story was, you know, I was translating for him, and he did a really good job. You know, I let him, don't talk. But, you know, he, he, got, he got really close to the edge, so I just had to reinterpret a little bit of what he was saying. Remember that? But, but, but that was all. And, and, but there was another preacher that we actually had to, like, confiscate books as he was handed. That was another, another story. It was really bad back years ago. But my point of Cuba was this. You know, God called me. You know, I went to Cuba in 2012, thought I was just going to go in there primarily to a praise and worship conference as a musician. I didn't even go, you know, as lead anything. I was just part of it. Uh, you know, Gabriel said, you want to do this? Yeah, let's do it. You know, um, Luis went with me. Marcos' brother went. And so we had this, you know, we had a pretty good three-piece band and then some other musicians and Cubans, and Cuban musicians and so forth. But when God started talking, I figured I'd never go back. Well, I knew that, that there was something else connected to Cuba. I didn't really didn't know. So, you know, we kept going back, going back. And so, you know, and in that process, I meet Dan. Right at the beginning, of, you know, pretty much at the beginning of the Cuban ministry, it was like a year or a year later when I met him. And I don't, and I, I've learned enough in ministry that you don't just invite everybody. I used to do that. You know, come on. And, and boy, you, geez, no, you don't want to do that. There's people that shouldn't be, should never leave America. <laughs> Ever. You know, cancel their passport. They're, they're. You know, keep them confined, and even that, to the lower 48. Don't even let them go to Hawaii or Alaska. Just nowhere. Just leave them in America. They just don't get it. And, and I took one guy into a red light district. We were doing ministry. Not, we were doing ministry in a very, you'll see some pictures of that actually in this video. You know, in a really hard place in Monterrey, really, and, and this guy causes a lot of problems. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't get killed. But anyway, that's a long story. But my point is the Strattons and Dan, of course, and then, of course, Pastor Annie picked up the vision, and, and it's, their, it's our vision now. They, they saw it, you know, he saw it, then he went to Cuba, and now, you know, from really not even knowing what's going on, God called these people, but not to join my vision, to join 
his vision. Because Cuba's not my trip. Cuba's not Faith Exchange's trip. What God wants to do in that nation is God's trip, if I may use that word. But he came up, and, and he came so, you know, it changed everything. When Once Faith Exchange got involved, it changed everything, man. And, I, and this is the word I really have for you, you know, because you know this and I know this. In ministry, sometimes it's really, really lonely, and sometimes we think we're not making anything, and sometimes we're just treading where you're not, brother. You know, you're changing the world. Amen. You remember that, you know, because, we, we, we know, we got to learn to see the, the things from the, for God's season. We're too ministry-filtered or too social-filtered or too whatever, news-filtered. No, God sees, and it's what we're talking about, what does even bigger mean? Well, it doesn't mean anything unless you figure out what God calls bigger. Because what I call bigger is, you know, 10,000-person church, and God says, no, bigger is the woman at the well. The one that nobody wanted. The prostitute, the one that failed marriages, the one that, no, that's what, you see, God thought that was bigger, so big, that he only sent Jesus and let the, the apostles even want to go to Samaria. <laughs> They're like, hey, we're not going there. That's a bad part of town. So, you, so we got to have these concepts. And I want to show this video in honor, first of all, to God's faithfulness. And I, again, like the front, I'm like, this is not about me. <laughs> I didn't make the video. I don't need that. I'm way past any of that. I could care less. You know, I got a doctorate last year. I don't like people calling me a doctor. If you call me a doctor, I'm going to write your prescription. And the medicine's coming from Mexico, all right? <laughs> so... You know, those are wonderful things, and I felt honored. I really felt honored. But at the end of the day, it's about Jesus, right? So, Dan, Ann, in honoring to your 25th anniversary coming this year, we made this video in honor, but you're a big part of this, so thank you, sir. Go ahead, run the video, guys. This morning, Rick. Well, I'm not going to take any more time. So my friend, my brother, my partner in ministry, Pastor Dan Stratton. Come on, let's give him a big God bless you. It's all yours, my friend. Yeah. And here we are. Who's here? Everybody here? The one thing you do when you live life, if you're going to live it right, you're going to have a strong testimony, you're going to have those victories in the moment, you've got to learn how to take a second to get in the flow. What I mean by that is, that was a lot of stuff right there, right? And I was hitting my spirit, and I was seeing Ukraine, seeing Cuba, seeing this work, seeing Mexico, seeing all that stuff. And, and as Pastor Kelvin's friend, and your friend, somebody has been here before, that's a lot. Because I'm not the type of minister that steps in the pulpit without really, really feeling what's going on in the spirit. I'm asking the Lord all the time what to do. A lot of people come and they've got, in their minds, and it's very anointed, they have an assignment. But a big part of my assignment in life is connecting. And so when I come in, I'm looking to connect to the spirit. I always have my wife go first whenever we minister together. 
And the reason I have her go first is because she's more of an assignment. I'm here to do an assignment. And I'm going to bring healing, or I'm going to bring this message, or whatever. But because God put us together the same way that God put me and Kelvin together, a lot of times my job, and honestly, God has used me this way in sports. He's used this, me this way in theater. He's used me this way in business all my life because I can play a lot of positions. If you need me to do this, and even though I was playing quarterback at one time, and all of a sudden we get a quarterback that's amazing, but he can't play anywhere else, Dan, I need you over here now. I need you to play linebacker. Whatever it takes to make that team better, that's what, what happens to me in my life. So I, I, like when I went to Cuba or when I come to Hebronville, God just speaks to me and he says, fill the gap. Do what's missing. Bring the, bring the message that's not being said. Because a lot of times, you know, Psalm 19 speaks this strongly to me. I don't know if you know this verse, but it says, Lord, show me the errors of my ways. Show me my presumptive thoughts. Presumptive means where I think I'm right. Anybody in here think they're right most of the time? Most people. Most people, right? So that prayer is really important to speak those things out. But we are the body of Christ. And God puts people in the body of Christ that are assignment-driven. When I talk about Annie to other people, I say, you know, She's like a superstar three-point shooter. But don't ask her to play defense. Because she could shoot. And that's what you ask her to do. You push it over there. She's, she's making faces at me right now because she doesn't understand the illustration or the metaphor. You need that three-point shooter if you're going to win. Right? But you got to know that she's not going to do this other thing. And that's the role of an apostle. An apostle has to look and see who's there and build a team, encourage that team, bring the gifts out of the team, and begin to bring those people together so that they can be a team, so that they don't kill each other, and that they actually complement each other instead of fight with each other, and that they all feel satisfied, that they all feel moving in the right direction, and they all flow together. And so when I look at a congregation, I don't know any of you, but I know one thing. If you're here, you're supposed to be on the team. How you doing, brother? I didn't recognize you with that long hair, man. You, did you go to the Navajo Nation and get inspired? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. It's my friend Dawson right there. I haven't seen him in a little while. My push-up buddy, right? We good, right? Amen. We connected then, and we're still connected. Glory to God. So what I'm saying to you is, as you listen, listen proactively. Listen on purpose. Listen intently, because God's looking to really plug you in. And if you'll plug in, you'll be happy. See, when you stand, I know this for a fact, when when you're in junior high and you're sitting on the sideline, nobody's asking you to dance, you're not happy. Right? Or if you're at the playground, you're a little boy and everybody else playing baseball and nobody's asking you to play, you're not happy. 
you're feeling left out. You hearing me? I'm using, it's, it's just something. And I'm telling you right now, God is asking you to come into the game. Come in and be a part. And if at first it feels a little awkward, that's just how it is. You're, in a, you're, you're actually stepping up into a new level of participation. You don't want to be on a team with a bunch of incompetent people. So you don't want the team to come down to the level of a beginner. So when you come in, just know you're going to have to go through a period of awkward, strengthening, training. But know that you're going to, it's going to be exciting once you get trained. And the funny thing about being in the body of Christ and, and being on the team and participating is that the training never goes away. You know, pastor was describing my first visit to Cuba. Now, I've been doing a lot of things at high levels for a very, very long time. But when I went to Cuba, I'm in kindergarten again. I don't speak the language. I don't understand the culture. I don't know the people. I hardly know Kelvin. But God told me to go, so you don't go there with an assignment. You hearing me? You go there and you're asking the question, and I gotta tell you, this was my question. My wife was going, she asked me the question before I left, you know what she asked me? What are you doing? Why are you going? I said, all I know for sure is that I'm supposed to go. That's all I know. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know what I'm supposed to teach. All I know is I'm going. See, this is sometimes all you get. Now, understand a lot of my gifting, you know, I'm, I'm a builder of teams. I'm a builder of relationships. I'm very patient. I'm never in a hurry. And the reason for that is because God's in control. Right? I may be waiting for Dawson to turn 30 for a specific thing, for him to have something go on, for him to play a special role. Right? Talk to H today. We talked, first time I came here, I don't know what year it was, 13, 14, back in there, 15. One of those years, we had great conversations. He'd pick me up over there at the Holiday Inn. We'd drive, well, we talked, we talked about the same thing we talked about the other night. I need to get you connected to my, some, of my, some of my top business leaders. There'll be a cross-pollination there. But it's seven years later. And I, we talked about it as if it was the first time. God's timing is perfect. Team builders, connectors understand these things. You know why you, know you got to be patient as a, as a church leader? Because God's patient. The frustration I might feel with your, your immediate lack of interest in developing yourself, that isn't God, that's me. Or Pastor Kelvin. Pastor Kelvin might be upset with you. Because i got to tell you, he has immediate needs. This church has immediate needs. The vision has immediate needs. And if you step up, he's hoping you're the one that God has sent to help with that immediate need. But you need to understand that immediate need 
wasn't given to Kelvin because God needs that building built or God needs, you know, that broadcast sent. That need was given to Kelvin, that vision, that project, to develop some of you. Now listen, listen. I, I, it's, see, God is about people. He is not about projects. Every, this church was given to him to develop people in an organized fashion so that they would learn to come together as a body around Jesus, around Christ, around the anointing, so that you could become who you were created to be. Most of you don't ask the Lord, who am I? Why did you make me? What's unique about me? What's special about me? What's, what is it that's... But I'm telling you, I'm standing here, I'm looking at every single one of you, and I know he made you special. I was teasing about it on my first night of ministry. When God made H, he said, H-B. And he was, but he didn't stop there. And he said, hmm, that's good. That was a good creation. God made Kathy, Luis, right? Marco. Where's Luis? Any Luises around? There's got to be a Luis in here somewhere. Marco. Marco B. And it was good. Hallelujah. What's your name? You're not telling me? No? You don't want to? It's okay. Give me five anyway. All right. God's calling each and every one of you. I'm going to go into a message tonight, this morning. They were saying this morning the other night. I'll say tonight, this morning. I'm in the flow. I'm starting to catch the language around here. I'm good. I'm in the flow. Time just doesn't have any limits on us. When Annie and I come to town, we're a team. God put us together, and I'll never forget it. We talk about memorials. When I met Annie in uh, 1984, I was in my house. Uh, it was in the fall, October of 1984. I was playing semi-pro football. I was working on the Florida Exchanges. I was singing at Juilliard. I was doing a lot of the different things. But I was home alone that weekend. We had played a game the day before. Semi-pro, we won. Course, that team never lost. And I was a little bit beat up. So it was a Sunday. I'm home. I didn't go to church. I wasn't going to church at the time. But I was feeling, even though my, you know, I was in business for myself, doing pretty well, making over a hundred grand a year myself. I was starting to get some recognition in my music. As a, as a classical singer. And my job was going, you know, everything was, the team was winning. I was all league. I was a, one of the most valuable players on the team. But I'm at home and I'm crying. What the heck? What's wrong? And, I, and I'm watching this Booker Washington special on TV. He's a spiritual guy. 
He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about God. And my response to this, because I was depressed, is I called a buddy of mine and said, let's go get drunk. So I proceeded to go bar hopping with this guy named Richard Todd. And he, he played on a team that I used to play on. And so we're, we're out and we're bopping, and it gets to be about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And we're at our fifth or sixth spot, and I run into her. But I had cried out to the Lord, Lord, I got this empty spot in my heart. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I was, I was despondent. I was sad. I, you know, what's wrong? Of course, I, after a few drinks and everything's going on, I'm like kind of in a goofy place now. I've kind of forgotten that. And then I meet her. And we meet, and she changed my life. But it was that prayer. And, and if you were to hear her side of the story, she said, it wasn't long before there, that that she had prayed to the Lord. I don't want to meet anybody else because she's beautiful. Everybody was trying to date her. And so she said to the Lord, I don't want to meet anybody else unless they're my husband. So my prayer of, please, Lord, just tell me what, why I'm hurting so bad. And her prayer of, send me my husband, coincided that night. To my joy... And to her chagrin. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> a year later, not even a year, one day less than a year later, we were married. My daughter, she was with her uh, current husband of two and a half years. She, they, were, they dated for 10 years. So she can't understand one year. And then now, 37 years since then. 38 from the day I met her, but 37 from the day I married her. So God has really put us together. Another memorial, Pastor Randy started taking me to, the, to church, and, and one of her, I guess, one of her rules or one of her standards that she set for me right on from the the beginning of us dating was, is you got to go to church with me. And honestly, that didn't bother me. Because the night I met her, she was like talking to her friend. Is, you know, I'm, I'm standing right here because they wouldn't let me sit down at the table. She and her, her friend, they were best, best friends. And they would just talk to each other but as if I couldn't hear them. <laughs> you know, do you see how he's dressed? Look at that outfit. He thinks he's cool. Oh, boy. He needs help, you know. <laughs> Oh, my God, Who'd, look at his hair. He needs a haircut. Look at this guy. And they're saying this stuff right in front of me. But in the conversation, we were talking, and then I would say things, and they'd turn to each other, and they'd go, did you hear that? That's straight out of the Scriptures. Because I had been raised Catholic, but my inner core principles, what I believed, aligned with what she believed. I believed that as you speak, that's who you are. So by the end of the night, she and her friend are like, oh my God, we prayed this prayer, it has to be our husband. And so they both had prayed this prayer, so they go into the bathroom and they flip a coin and Annie lost. <laughs> oh no, that's my husband, are you kidding me? <laughs> All right, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. But the point is, 
which means that didn't re- they didn't really flip a coin, just so you know. I have to pull that back. Some of you are like, did they really flip a coin? You gotta, sometimes you got to tell the story, right? you got to add a little bit. It's like Hollywood, a little bit. you got to make it interesting, right? But it was interesting because she came, I mean, let me tell you how interesting this story is. I, she comes out of the bathroom, and she's lost the flip. I'm just kidding. But she knows that, and she usually, because she's, she's drop-dead gorgeous. She really is. Drop-live gorgeous, you know what I mean? Drop-alive gorgeous. She doesn't like dead, okay? She wants me to speak. And so she's like, did you see Irene? Her friend's name is Irene. He was talking to you and talking to me. Nobody does that. I'm like, and so Irene says, yeah, but I know he's yours. Not that she didn't want me, she just knew. And so they come out, so now she's sheepish a little bit. But it didn't hurt that the party that we were at was kind of a party that was run by her old boyfriend's friend, cousin actually. And he owned this club that we were in, dance club. So he sends over another relative of her old boyfriend who happens to be a cop. So he walks over and he opens his jacket and shows me his gun. He says, you weren't invited to this private party, brother. Because they could tell that Annie was interested in me. I couldn't tell. (laughs) But they could tell. I mean, I'm still trying. I'm still hoping. You know what I mean? But they couldn't tell. And so he's trying to threaten me, and he's like, you need to leave. I'm like, I know the guy's not going to shoot me. Maybe I was drunk. I don't know. (laughs) So finally, Annie comes out, and everybody's watching. The owner of the club, who really liked Annie, the cousin with the gun, everything's going on. So she walks over, and I'm leaving. And I I said to her, her friend actually came over to me and said, you know, can I give you Ann's number? I said, no. So that wouldn't be right. I don't want you getting in trouble because you gave me your number. And so Annie walks over, and I looked at her, and I said, are you interested? (laughs) She kind of looked at me, and I said, no, really, are you interested or not? And she, with this amazing New Jersey accent, said, yeah, I am. And I said to her, just tell me your number. I'll remember it. No, listen. And she, and she said, she has to tell the story her way. You know what I mean? But the idea, this is us. If you ever come to our church, we talk to each other like this. You know what I mean? Most of the time, she's correcting me, and she's annoyed. Because she likes facts. I like, I like stories. Right? Because it's good that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, and I'm very creative. <laughs> so I know I can feel the room, and I know where you can go, and I know what you're going to think is funny, right? So all I have to do is, you know, because I know deep down, and she disagrees 100%, I'm funny. <laughs> she doesn't think so. My daughter doesn't think so most of the time. But I, but I am funny, just so you know. <laughs> and I tell my daughter all the time, Sometimes my jokes are just for me. If you can't have fun with me, that's all right. I'll dance by myself. 
Phil. Come on, you can, you can join the party or you can sit over there being some kind of lonely muffin. Just sit over there. So what really got her was, I said to her, because she said, yeah, I am interested. She said, yeah. So I said to her, say it. She goes, kind of gives me this look, but she looks at her friend. She goes, he's working the principles. He's getting me to say it. And I said, tell me you're interested. And she said, yeah, I'm interested. I said, just tell me your number. I don't want to embarrass you by having you write it down. And she told me her number. I memorized it, 201-945-7318. I called her later that night. We spoke for five hours in the middle of the night. I told her I was coming over that day. She said she had a date. I said, bull, I'm coming over. <laughs> I wasn't quite saved yet. And that was a memorial. That was 1984. We got married in 1985. 1987 comes around. I've been in the church for a couple years. I'm singing in the choir, and the Lord speaks to me. I'm up in the audience. My business is going okay, but it's, it's stuck. Markets are getting slow in gold and silver, and things, for me, I just wasn't going as fast as I wanted to do. I was, I was being blackballed on the exchanges. I had already started ministering the gospel a little bit, laying hands on people, writing a letter, stuff like this. But I'm feeling stuck, so the Lord says, give me a seed. I'm in a, I'm in a, I think it was like a Good Friday service, and all I had in my check account was $2,400. And we're going on vacation right after Easter, right after Resurrection Sunday. We're heading down to Florida to be with our family. And all I had was $2,400. So I said, Lord, all I got is $2,400. He says, that'll do. So I gave him the $2,400 in that offering. So I put that in the offering, and I said, honey, well, I had some credit cards that I had some room on. So we went on vacation. And we're staying with our parents anyway, so it wasn't that expensive. Tickets were already bought. So we go down. I'm going to make this story sh short, but this was the first time he ever asked me for all the cash I had available. First time, not the last time, but it was the first time. This is a memorial. This is a memorial for me. I'd been tithing, I'd been confessing, but during that week, I had left a couple of positions on, and I'm watching the news, and the markets are on the news, and I said, Annie, silver, something's happening in the silver market, something's going crazy up there, and by Friday of that week, I had made $25,000 doing nothing just being in Florida. But I remember I was on the beach and I was praying, show me the errors of my ways, because I had that same thing I had when I met her that day. I had this heaviness in my heart. I had this, you know, this, I'm missing something. Something's wrong. I'm stuck. I can't get out of this. I'm, you know, and I wasn't mad at God. I just knew I had to do something. So like, and it's funny because with me in my life, and I'm explaining these things to you because I want you to understand, when you get that feeling, don't go dark. God's about to break through in a really powerful way for you if you'll seek him. She was going through a 105, 106 fever. 
She went, she ran to God. She fought to run to God. Most of us panic and we stop praying, we stop giving, we stop fasting, we stop forgiving, and we don't make good decisions. But I was down and I was not really good company because I was really frustrated that week. Even though I was making that money, I, I wasn't like, because oh, I've taught this many years. I said, there's, there's a thing called early harvest. The devil will, will give you a little, little bit of a victory and you'll take that little bit of victory and that's all you need. You got to understand, when, when the devil, when, I mean, when you get, a, when you sow a seed, and you're believing God for a real breakthrough, don't settle for a popsicle. Oh my God, I sowed that seed. I've never, I haven't had a, an orange popsicle in a while. How good does this taste? You know, we settle for just the tiniest little thing and then we call it a victory from God. God is a big God. He could do exceedingly abundantly above what you could even ask for. So don't ever settle. I always tease people. I say, when you pray a prayer, I like the simplest little prayer. When H was up teaching in the 25th anniversary, he said, you know, you, you're obedient in the small things, and he's going to give you a little bigger thing, and then you'll be obedient in the little bigger thing, and then he'll give you a little bigger thing, and then you'll be obedient. When you're, when you're faithful in the little, he's going to give you more to be faithful for. It was a good teaching. But I'll tell you what that really is. When you believe God, you, say you have a lost item, and you believe God, and all of a sudden you find it, your wallet, your keys, your bracelet in the morning on, before church, stuff like that. <laughs> Feel like that might have happened this morning? <laughs> Just a sorry. That's when you pray again. Because when you notice your faith is working, why would you stop? I'm in the flow. You know what I mean? I prayed, and that, I prayed, you know, you know how when you drop the food out of your mouth and it doesn't hit your tie and you go, praise you, Jesus? That's when you pray again. But ask for something more, and you pray for something more, and you pray for something more, because when you're in the flow, you keep it going. So I was still, so I was still, I was down on the beach, I was not good company, and I was down there going, Lord, show me the error of my ways. Lord, show me my, my presumptive thoughts, and I... And I began to just sing, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord God. And I just sang that all afternoon. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord God. And I would just praise him. But when you're on vacation with your husband, you don't want him down on the beach praising all day. So I was a little annoyed because I was, I had to get a breakthrough. We fly back, we get back late on Sunday night and I go to work on Monday morning and we're tired, we're exhausted because for some reason we got, I remember going through Newark and everybody, the, the, the airport, there was something wrong. But I got to work the next day and, and my crew, I had a team in Chicago, a team in New York, and I get on the phones. We traded an ARB, and I said to him, 
the markets were called limit up because there was like a crazy thing going on. They were, there was a shortage of silver, so everything was skyrocketed. Nobody could buy anything. They call it limit up. So there's no trading. So trading is shut down. Except I had been trained how to trade what they call the spot market, which is the physical market, the immediate market, which can trade all day, but the futures markets can't trade. You don't need to know all this. They can't trade when it's limit up. So I just tell my clerks, I say, let's stay, let's stay real loose today. We had a good week on our positions last week. We're up 50 grand now. It's the morning. What a great week. This, that's awesome. Praise God. So I said, let's let the Lord trade today. Let's the Lord. So, so the market, I'm watching it. I'm on the phones. People are calling me, asking me for markets in, the, in the, what they call the spot month. And so I'm making markets for them, and I'm making a little bit of money. And all of a sudden, the market starts to come off, and it goes through limit up. But it goes through limit up first in New York, and I'm on the phones in Chicago, and there's still limit bids in Chicago. So I said, I'd already said in the morning, let's let the Lord trade. Yeah. And I've all, already been in prayer, and I've already sown this seed, so there's a memorial in here. So all of a sudden, I have this courage, this strength to do something I'd never done before. So what happened is the market came down fast in New York, and, there, and so I say in Chicago, hey, Where's the market? And they go, it's limit bid. I said, sell it all. I want to, I'm just one human being. At this time, I was telling you, I was only making, to sell it all means you're selling millions of dollars of stuff. So I hit every bid in Chicago. And now, you know, I, just like you, you know, the, the fear comes in. The funny thing about fear, when you learn about fear, fear always comes right before your victory. Talking about memorials. See how I'm going with the flow? Holy Ghost woke him up late this morning, brought him into a place, and then my, my anointing is, I said, I feel what's missing. And then I feel the part. I don't have to come in here with an agenda. I don't have to come in here. I asked him what to preach. He showed me, told me, give him the Hebrew letters. I want Pastor Annie's healing. But then the rest of it is me to bring in and to be the lifter of his arms. Right? So that memorial then, I sold them all, long story short, throughout the day, we made half a million dollars that day. Changed my life. It's nice to go home with a half a million dollars in your pocket from about six hours of work. But the Lord did. I mean, I, I did things trading that day that I never did, never did after that. I never said sell them all. I mean, in the market, you know, you're competing with billion-dollar companies. You wouldn't say sell them all. You wouldn't get into a poker game with people who had $50 million when you got about $8. Right? You're like, don't look at me. Too many of you are looking at me like you know what poker is. That's pretty good. <laughs> got a bunch of gamblers in here, brother. It's all right with me. Texas Hold'em, that's why they call it that. <laughs> so memorial after memorial after memorial. So, I mean, in those early days, I got this thing called, uh, what do they call that, where I, my body would shake and I'd get those fevers? Cellulitis, they called it. And it was really, see, I've forgotten about it because I'm healed, right? So I don't remember it. It's, 
anymore. But the doctor says, you're never going to stand again. And as a commodities trader, you stand all day long. And my leg would get this fever, and I'd get this rash, and all this stuff. And it, I, you know, and it would go dead. It would almost like go asleep, where I'd be walking around. Like I'd be shaking it, and I'd, go to, and I'd fall, because I couldn't feel it. So the doctor says, of course, that got healed. The fact that I screamed for 20 years and then he healed my voice where I can still sing and I can still speak. When you meet the guys that I traded with, they can't even talk. Some of them have had have operations in their necks. You see, these are all memorials to me, just me being able to speak, me being able to bring a sweet sound out when I sing. It's a memorial. But what is that, Kathy? What is that? That is... That is how I work my faith. How do you work? When you got one little prayer answer, you better pray again. And if you get it answered again, you better pray again. And because you don't, you don't just settle for the 50 grand, go get the half a million. Don't settle. Keep the pedal to the metal. Don't settle. Amen. I could keep that rhyme going, but I'm not going to. It's not interesting. All right, I'm going to give you the word for about 10, 15 minutes, but I want you to get this now, right? Second Chronicles 20, 20, believe God, so shall you be established. Believe the prophets, so shall you prosper. When you sow a seed today, when you sow a seed ever, make sure you put some serious intention on it. If you are feeling unsettled in your, in your heart, if you're feeling some kind of massive, like, ooh, ooh, don't blame it on the pastor. Don't blame it on God. Know that God's about to take you to a place if you'll press through and you'll sow a seed to it and, and put some expectation on it. That is, not, that is not a negative thing. When you lose somebody and they go to heaven, they're not going to heaven and you're going to see them again. I mean, they're not going away. They're not dead. They're not, like, destroyed. They are now in the triumphant church. They're still interceding for us. Some of them are up there preaching, but they're still connected to you. They're the great cloud of witness. Honor them by living a good life. Don't honor them by crying in your beard. Sitting around feeling sorry for yourself. We just had one of our great saints go home just this week at Faith Exchange. Not this week, but this past month or so. Our chief intercessor, our number two preacher behind Annie and me. Great woman of the Lord. She's in that triumphant church. We miss her. We miss her. But that just means everybody else has to step it up. Get more connected. You know, when you get in a church setting, oh, so-and-so, something must be wrong with the vision. Something must be wrong with the leadership. No, it just means you got to step up. Somebody say, it just means i got to step up. All right, I'll talk to this side over here. I know my wife will step up. I know that. So I'm willing to step up. Because I want half a million dollar days. I want, I want, to get to, I want the blessings that God wants to have for me. I want bigger blessings than I can ask or think. Because the only reason he resources you is so that you are freer and freer and freer to do what he has called you to do. You know, what it, you know why he blesses you? He blesses you to take your excuses away. 
Because he's not all about money. You are. He's not all about status. We are. I should have said we are when I talk about money. We can, we can focus on this earthly stuff when he wants us to, to focus on our own development. Believe God, you'll be established. Believe the prophet, so shall you prosper. Psalm 37, and I alluded to this in the teachings before. I love this. I open the Bible, and there's Caden's picture. Nice. Psalm 37 says this, verse 23. Steps of a good man. Psalm 27, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by Yahweh. He delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For Yahweh upholds him with his hand. Kathy got pretty sick, didn't she? I've had some pretty bad things happen to me in my life. It says, though we fall... We shall not be utterly destroyed. I mean, why wouldn't Yahweh just pick his people and then just, just never have us experience any difficulty whatsoever? Can I have a tissue? That's just not how it works, just so you know. If you have difficulty, it does not disqualify you. If you get sick, it does not disqualify you. If you make a bad decision, bad business decision, you go broke, it does not disqualify you. And it doesn't disqualify him. And it doesn't disqualify me. If you have a bad day, you get into sin, it does not disqualify you. One of my top guys in my church, I'm not going to name his name, but he's been through all sorts of stuff. does not disqualify him. Drunk driving, chasing the wrong woman, all sorts of stuff. Sin, real sin. does not disqualify him. Nothing you've done disqualifies you. It's not the thing that does it. It's your reaction to it. Because the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And then it says right here, this verse should just rock your world a little bit. Though you fall, you will not be utterly cast down, for Yahweh upholds you with his hand. See, I have been young, and I, and now I'm old. I don't really feel I'm that old, but now I'm older. Have I not, yet I have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Yahweh is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Say, I am his seed. Say, I am blessed. So when I come to a place like this, and I come and I'm, I'm in partnership with your pastor. I'm in partnership with this church. I'm in partnership with the vision for Cuba. I'm in partnership with the anointing that's here. I've gotten to know you. I've been here a few times. And, and I've fallen in love with what's going on. Some of you, we're close on Facebook. We do different things together. We agree together. We pray together. We're out there. We stay connected. But staying connected comes around what are we really connected through? That's why I brought these Hebrew letters, because what connect, connects us is not faith way, it's not faith exchange, it's not Cuba, it's the Word of God. So we got to be in love with the Word of God. If we're going to walk together, we got to have a common language. What's our common language? It's not faith way's logo. 
Our common language is the Word of God. You know, it's not their tagline. It's not a marketing thing. No, it's the Word of God. It's a Word of God. Right? So what pulls us in? So you got to know the Word of God because the Word of God is 66 books. And even Paul says this. Paul says we got to all be saying the same thing. We can't be saying, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, you know, I'm of Timothy, I'm of, I'm of another preacher, you know, I'm of Creflo, I'm of T.D. Jakes, I'm of, you know, what's his name, Stanley down in, you know, that's not who we are, we're of Jesus. What pulls us together is the Word of God, but understanding it's not just the Word of God, it's us being fully connected. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. First place I want to go is Ephesians 4. Because here's how we connect. And while you're turning to Ephesians 4, I've written books, and you have copies, and you've translated them into Spanish. And you need to go through those because that's all about connecting so that we, two, so that we can do greater things. Let me finish my sentence. But then... Two can put, one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Where two or more are gathered in his name, we can ask anything, and he'll do it. But he's there in the midst of us. We're supposed to work together. When God created everything that is, he started his Bible with the word Bereshit. That word Bereshit means, in the beginning, God created. And what that simply, that's one word. In the beginning, God created. Isn't that cool? In the very, rosh means the beginning. Bara means created. Sheet means, sheet means, it means, it's finished. That T sound at the end. Amen? <laughs> I love it. Annie and I have a joke about that. Ephesians 4. Now, this is, this is a, a chapter that's before the chapter, Ephesians 5, which is all about the armor of God. But Ephesians 4 talks about the unity. Talks about unity. Talks about us coming together in unity. Gosh, this looks like my Bible. I know it's not. It's marked up almost the same exact way, though. It says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord... Remember what we taught this weekend? Whenever you see that word Lord, say Yahweh. I like that you guys were singing a song using the name today because it gives you an idea of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit flowing together. And honestly, I say Yahshua Yahweh. That's to say Jesus is Lord. Okay? I always put it together. Kenneth Copeland was Jesus is Lord. Right? He says that all the time. I say Yahshua Yahweh. Because I want you to understand that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Amen. You say is, and you put it in there, but I want you to even flow it. I want you to flow it. It's like the same name. It's the same name. It's really the way you think of it is visible, invisible, visible, invisible. And in the letters, the Samek, the visible is on the outside of the circle, and the invisible is on the inside of the circle, and all these really beautiful things that you start to meditate when you do this, and maybe I'll riff on that as I close up the sermon. But in Ephesians 4, it says, we got to walk worthily of the vocations wherewith we are called. Amen. You're all called. You all have a vocation. You all have a skill set. you got to give yourself to it. I wrote a book, and you have it, and there's 12 simple thoughts in it. 
Now, when I, when I sit down to write a sermon or I sit down to write a vision for a company or when I sit down with an individual and we'll start thinking, the Lord will give me what I call guidelines. And so he'll give me thoughts. Like if I'm going into a law firm and we're looking to develop clients and we're looking to develop their portfolios and I'm looking to do all these different things, the Lord will give me some words. He'll say, discover, develop, deploy. And from there, he'll begin, to flex, he'll begin to give me the guidelines. It's almost like he's given me three areas to teach in those two or three days I'm teaching that leadership team. So when I come to a place like this, we have a lot of common language. We have the scripture, but I got I to get you focused. So when I came in, I said, all right, you guys are focused, bigger, better, brighter. Okay, that's a way to get you focused. But then the Lord has given me creative courage. How are you going to get bigger? You're going to create it with no fear. So you might ask yourself, what would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? How big would you go? If you knew you wouldn't fail, how big would you go? That's common language now. I've taught this before here. It's in the book. And you'd go, hmm, I'd do this. Hmm. Oh, but COVID. Oh, but money. Oh, but time. Well, that's your obstacle. So let's get her over that obstacle. What's your next smallest doable step? Right? What is this? This is common language. This is how we solve problems. This is how we work as a team. This is how we hand it off because I'm not everything. I, can, I don't know everything. I don't have to be a doctor. My daughter is one. I don't have to be a dentist because I know dentists. I don't have to be a lawyer if I know a lawyer. I don't have to be an accountant if I know an accountant. I don't have to be an investor if I know an investor. I don't have to be a ski house owner if I, if I know a ski house owner. Amen? I don't even have to be rich if I know rich people. If you're truly connected. And I certainly don't have to be the creator because I know the creator. I don't have to be a savior because I know the savior. This is called connectivity. We're all called, everything that's in the body belongs to you. But you got to be in. You got to be in. You got to come with a generous eye. Most people will walk into the room and all they do is see fault. How to disconnect. Why I wouldn't connect there? They're a bunch of morons. It's all they see. They do everything wrong. That's all they see. They don't have the premise which you're going to have walking out of there. If I'm here, I'm supposed to be here. So be here. You're going to learn that when he preaches now. Wherever you are now, be there. Light B is now. Creativity is now. Impartation is now. Courage is coming to you now. Strength is coming to you now. Resources are coming to you now. But not if you're not here. Even though you're sitting here, doesn't mean you're here. You may be sitting here, but if you're not in agreement that you believe God, you're going to be established, you believe the prophet, so shall you prosper. If you're not going, I believe it, I receive it. You may not like me. You know, I go to Cuba. I'm white. Did you know I'm white? I'm a big, white, loud, authoritarian, thinks who he is guy. 
first thought, if you're not, if you're not in the spirit, your first thought is, that guy is full of himself. He thinks who he is. He walks around like he owns the place. And you immediately can't hear what I say. But you know what? Marco. God loves you just the way you are. Isn't that cool? He loves me just the way I am, too. He made me the way I am for a reason. And that has allowed me to play football at Yale, preach the gospel inside skull and bones. You may not know what that is. It's a secret society on the dark side of life. A lot of people getting born again in there. <sighs> Allows me to preach the gospel on the floor of the exchange. You know, some, some people when I go to church, you know, they don't like me. They just, for whatever reason, don't like me when I come. Well, most people do like me. So I don't mean to make it sound like they don't like me. Because I'm funny. <laughs> so they like me. But when they don't, they got to understand, you know, they'll look at me and they'll try to give me the, you know, the stink eye. You know what I'm talking about. They, they're trying to let me know that they don't approve. But you got to know, I learned how to preach the gospel on the floor at exchanges. They all hated me. No, it was an inappropriate place to preach the gospel, so they thought. They would say to me, you don't preach the gospel on the exchanges. This isn't a church. And I would say, that's where the gospel's supposed to be preached. I'd say, they're like, what? They were like, that was so foreign to them. Because it... Jesus said, this isn't, this isn't for the holy, this isn't for the saved, this is for the unsaved. The power is for people who've never heard it. And then my other favorite thing on the floor of the exchange, a couple things, I'll give you real quick because it's funny. And we like to laugh. And they would say, they would curse, you know, GD this and GD that, right? And, you know, honestly, that doesn't bother me that much. Because I know God's not the damner. Right? So I would always just let that go. But if they yelled Jesus Christ, like a curse word, I couldn't help myself. they go, Jesus Christ, usually at me, because I beat them to a trade. And then I'd finish the trade, and I'd yell as loud as I could in the pit, is Lord! And they're, they're like, who is this guy? you got to understand, preaching the gospel is fun for a guy like me, and it's even more fun when you don't approve. Because you know what? I'm not preaching myself. I'm preaching Jesus, born of a virgin, Jesus, performing miracles, Jesus, giving his life for us on the cross, Jesus, going down into hell and burying all our sins down there, Jesus, raised from the dead, Jesus alive at the right hand of the Father. Jesus ever making intercession for you. Jesus never leaving us or never forsaking us. Jesus in me, on me, around me, telling me what to do. So when you tell me I'm doing it wrong, I tell you, you don't know how to do it. And I'll tell anybody that. Don't tell me how to be me in him. 
I have some of my best friends who will tell me, even my wife sometimes will tell me, why don't you do I said, listen, he, you know, you're a little girl. You're 5'1", 105 pounds. I could never do it the way you do it. <laughs> but you can't do it the way I do it. He made me the way I am. He made you the way you are. I like the way you are. He loves the way you are. And it's my job as an apostle. It's my job as a prophet. It's my job as a teacher to get your gift out. To demonstrate that I'm not afraid to give you my whole gift. To demonstrate I'm not ashamed of the way he made me. I'm not ashamed of my upbringing. I'm not ashamed of my memorials. I'm not even ashamed of my sin. Because I'm telling you, he's redeemed me of it. And if you want to throw it in my face for the rest of my life, it won't slow me down. Because I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. You may be right. I did it. I did it. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. But I'm going to preach the gospel. And I'm going to bring the anointing. And I'm going to bring the gifts out of people. And I'm going to encourage them. And I'm not going to discourage them. And I'm not going to let you make an excuse. Oh, who, me? Not me. If you're here, you're called. If you're here, you're appointed. If you're here, you can be anointed. If you're here, you can be impactful. If you're here, you can make great, greater things can you do. But together we got to learn to flow together. You got to get this in you the way I have it in me. You got to be preaching this to somebody. When somebody like Kathy goes through what she's going through, if she can't do it, somebody's got to be there right with her doing it for her. You will not die but to, but live to declare the works of the Lord. You'll be screaming it in her ear. And she'll be saying it out. You know, I got friends from Yale, call me now. They're all really smart people, but when they need prayer, when they get COVID and they're going through it, who are they calling? They're not calling a lawyer. They're not, because they don't need a lawyer. They need somebody who gets their prayers answered. So they call that preacher guy. And not a preacher that just kind of hangs out and is very intellectual. They want power. They want burden removing, yoke destroying, healing power. And just so you know, I'm not talking rhetorically. I'm talking last week, raising people out of those places. She's not the only one who raises the dead. She's better at it than me. She has a special anointing. She's that three-point shooter. But I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hybrid. You need a teacher, I'll teach. You need a pastor, I'll pastor. You need me to break down a wall, I'll apostle. You need me to speak stuff out, I will, I will. You need me to get somebody saved, I will. Am I the best at any of those things? No. But I can do them all. I'm better at some, I'm actually better at the apostle part because I'll run through any wall. That's why the the apostle part, because I don't know who I'm going to be. I don't know what part of the anointing you're going to need when I go someplace. So when I go to when I go to Cuba, and and Kelvin will know this, you hear me, I'm bold, right? I get there, I'm I'm like, what are we doing? How do you want to use me? You tell me what my assignment is. Because I'm under his authority. He invited me. When I'm in this church, I'm under his authority. I have no problem being under authority. When you learn the power of being, you know, when you submit yourself to God, you're not under his feet. 
God is up here. You're actually being promoted. You're submitting yourself. You know, when you submit, you're being crowned. You submit to God, you're being crowned. So you got to develop this common language. I just went through the common language a little bit. What would you do? Bigger. What would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? What's your obstacle? What's your next small, stewable step? And then you go to the next one, which is the most important part. What are you thankful for? It's the fourth question. The next one is, what does a miracle look like? Can you see the end from the beginning? Because if you can see the end from the beginning, I'm walking out of here. I'm healed. My kidneys are not going to be damaged for the rest of my life. I'm, gonna, I'm not living with no cloud over my head. Amen. I was listening to her. I wasn't just waiting to speak. I'm listening. We're in this thing together. If you've ever done anything at a high level, you don't just do your job and disregard what everybody else is doing. You know, as a quarterback in high school, you know, I could look at my huddle and I'd look at my guys. And I could look at them and I could see who's here and who's not here. Who's got it tonight and who's afraid of the guy they're playing against? And then I'd call plays accordingly. My right tackle, I'd look at him, I'd say, Mick, man, you're all league. What's the problem tonight? He says, the guy across from me is better than me. I said, who told you that? Nobody had told me. My head hurts. I said, you know, I'd say, Mick, man, you know, you're all league. I said, go sit on the bench. Send me, the, send me your backup in. He does, he's not afraid yet. You know, I ain't leaving. I said, then play the damn game. Let me see Mick. I don't want Mick the scaredy cat. But I've had this in me since I was a little boy. I can see if you're here. I can see if you're scared. I can see if you're going to win or if you're going to lose. And I ain't going to let you lose if you're on my team because I don't lose. No, no, I don't lose. Calvin don't lose. Jesus doesn't lose. You don't lose. So I gave you five, five questions. You go, go get the book. It's here. The other thing is there's 12 simple thoughts. This is, this is called common language. You've got to get it down in you because you don't need it until you need it. Say, we win. We win. Let's play. You know what that means? That means before you start, you win. You call the end from the beginning. You visualize the miracle from the end. We win. Let's play. We're all called to do something great. No one can do it alone. Say, we're all called to do something great. No one can do it alone. You just said it. Say, I believe it. There are no second-class citizens. Say it. There are no second-class 